66. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. Five minutes after five o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Well, we are cleaning up a little bit around Wisconsin, but we're not going to warm up to get rid of this ice that still remains. Five minutes after five o'clock today is the 26th day of February, and I'm afraid our weather forecast is not giving us temperatures anywhere near what we need to get rid of this ice and snow, for that matter. We'll stay cloudy for today. 18 are expected high, so still cold. Winds today out of the east-northeast, 6 to 12 miles an hour. Now, there's a possibility that we could see some light snow move in later today as well. Uh, Tomorrow, not a lot better, mostly cloudy and breezy. 25 are expected high on Wednesday. And now uh, we could see more precipitation moving in in the form of freezing rain, depending on where you are. We'll have Stu Muck talk more about that. That's coming your way in about 15 minutes. Also up before 6 o'clock, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that believe farmers uh, need to do more for the land. They don't recognize what stewards farmers already are. So if there was a way that you could make money with your farm, your farming practices, would it benefit you? You know, there was a a time about 10 years ago when we were talking about carbon credits that farmers would be able to sell in the open marketplace, basically getting credit for the good tillage practices, the good crop rotation practices they're already using. So what happened to that market? I'm going to be talking about that with Tom Driscoll. He is the director of the National Farmers Union Foundation and Conservation Policy. He is a North Dakota native, actually, and is still following through on those carbon credit markets that were created and what's happening with them today. That's up before six. Did you know that our UW School of Veterinary Medicine has trained more than half of the veterinarians in Wisconsin? Those are veterinarians taking care of your dog, your cat, your horses, your cows. Pam Yankee here to tell you the story of the UW School of Veterinary Medicine. You know, they built their space to take care of 12,000 patients. Today, they're seeing 27,000 patients in the same space. And those patients travel from a long distance. 80% of the patients are from here in Wisconsin, but there's others that have traveled from as far away as Alaska, even Hong Kong, to find this world-class facility. But this facility needs a facelift. So why don't you step up and help? You can find out more about the new plans for groundbreaking research and groundbreaking expansion at the UW School of Veterinary Medicine. Go to animalsneedheroes2.com. One of the biggest efforts in the world is to cure cancer, and of course we associate that with humans. But on the animal side, there's also an effort taking place. Bob Bosold here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. Pam, you recently had a chance to find out what that effort's all about. You know, you just uh, something right under your nose, Bob. That's the stories that always surprise me. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And like you said, uh, cutting-edge research that ultimately could lead to human benefits. Right now, they're talking about developing a cancer canine vaccine on the UW-Madison campus in the School for Veterinary Medicine. Now, this is a team approach to this kind of cutting-edge technology. Dr. David Vale is an oncologist in the School of Veterinary Medicine that's working with other peers across the United States to see if there's a certain bunch of proteins that show up at the same time for perhaps multiple cancers. It's just one of the stories that we're telling about the School of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. David Vale explains what people may not realize is, even for doctors like himself, 
He is trained primarily in medicine, both human and animal, before he made the decision to come over to the animal side as far as practice. In many ways, it's uh, similar in that uh, in order to get into veterinary school in North America, you usually have an undergraduate degree and go through four years of medical school. And then when you complete that, uh, you're essentially a general practitioner from on the veterinary side. Uh, if you want to uh, go into an advanced specialty like medical oncology, which is my specialty, uh, then an internship and a three-year residency is generally follows your your other degrees. So 12 years later, uh, you're in a position where you can uh, start to specialize. And we're right on the very edge of some very unique opportunities, we hope, when it comes to cancer. Tell me about the collaboration you're involved with, Dr. Vale, with a vaccine that could ultimately not only benefit our animal partners, but our people. Yeah, so we've uh, become involved in a, a national trial evaluating a new prophylactic anti-cancer vaccine. And when I say prophylactic, uh, what what's implied by that is that we are using a vaccine before an individual has actually developed cancer in order to prevent that cancer. So just in the way that you would receive a flu vaccine, uh, you're getting the vaccine in order to prevent something in the future happening, uh, i.e. the flu. So the technology for anti-cancer vaccines over the last 10 or 20 years has been to wait until an individual develops cancer and then try and create a vaccine against the cancer that that individual has. This is kind of going back a step and trying to stimulate the immune system in such a way that when you do develop cancer very, very early in the process in microscopic cell numbers, that your immune system is already primed and ready to kill that cancer. Right. And the other interesting part is we're not, you notice how he's not segregating a specific cancer because uh, the current investigation underway looks at proteins potentially from different cancers. Tell me how you've been working through that process. Yeah, so uh, a group at Arizona State University, Dr. Stephen Johnson, uh, he has developed some technology that uh, has been evaluated in samples that have been provided uh, from uh, canine patients with cancer. And also they've looked in people and in uh, rodent cancers as well and found that there's a set of proteins, it's actually 30 to 40 proteins, that seem to be present in much higher numbers in cancer cells in general mm -hmm. rather than normal cells. And that's regardless of the cancer type. So, for example, breast cancer, bone cancer, thyroid cancer, they all have uh, an overabundance of these particular mutated proteins mm -hmm. that could potentially be targeted by the immune system. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're talking about what research is underway on the UW-Madison campus, the School of Veterinary Medicine, Dr. David Vale with us. So where are we at with this potential vaccine then, Dr. Vale? Uh, as you said, you guys have been collaborating for a while. What stage are we at right now? Where do you hope it moves? Well, we're at the very beginnings of the clinical trial. Uh, some of the, the uh, safety data has been done on the vaccine as far as looking at uh, uh, normal dogs that have been vaccinated, looking for side effects. And other than the, the typical vaccine side effects of local uh, swelling, maybe some local pain uh, that's very transient, we haven't uh, experienced any any overt uh, adverse events. So we're in the, the final manufacturing process of the vaccine. Uh, what happens now is that our patients come in and they're screened for cancer. 
uh, and if they are found to not have cancer, uh, then they're randomized to receive either the new vaccine, which is the proteins mixed with an, an adjuvant. And what an adjuvant is, is a, it's a molecule that stimulates the immune system. Uh, or the placebo group, which just gets the immune stimulant without those proteins. Then those dogs are followed for five years to determine if they, if they will develop cancer. And we compare what is the cancer rate in the vaccine group versus the, the adjuvant group. Now, obviously, what we're talking about here is the possibility that our animals, our pets, would not have to uh, battle against cancer if this kind of a vaccine is successful. But there's also human implications. Am I correct, doctor? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, it would be better to prevent cancer than to treat it. It's very costly, has uh, significant side effects in some cases, uh, and you have to tailor it to the specific cancer type. Also, when you look at developing nations and the less fortunate nations, the cost of treating cancer is often outside um, uh, their wherewithal. Uh, the production of an inexpensive vaccine that could be applied globally to both the human population and the, the veterinary, the companion species population, dogs and cats, uh, could have a tremendous uh, benefit uh, globally. Absolutely. Now, this is just one example of the cutting-edge research that's happening here at the School of Veterinary Medicine on the UW-Madison campus. But as I've told you before, and we continue to stress, this building is maxed out. Dr. Vale, you said you've been here since 1990. It'd be nice if I could visit with you without having to sit on top of a pile of newspapers or such. This facility is taxed to its max. How does that compromise or slow down some of the research you envision? Well, it can have a tremendous impact. Uh, we have had to um, essentially duct tape our way into uh, 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 facilities. Uh, we've outgrown our office space when we uh, try and make new hires for new technologies and new advancements. Uh, we just don't have the office space. Uh, one of the, the, the one medicine approaches that we're very proud of here at the veterinary school is the development of, of tomotherapy, a, a novel form of radiation therapy that uh, we were helpful uh, in developing. The very first patients were uh, 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 pet dogs with nasal cancer, and now those machines are all over the world treating humans with cancer. But in order to do that research, we actually had to um, and, uh, uh, add a building on to the side of our building uh, because we just didn't have the room to, to house the new uh, uh, investigational unit. So uh, we're really maxed out. We uh, uh, had our first graduating class in 1987. Uh, we've tripled the number of patient accruals every year that come here that the building is designed to hold. Uh, and and we're just we're just out of space. Yeah, flat out. We were talking about how you work with other uh, investigators, other veterinarians. Uh, UC Davis, Colorado, Arizona. Are they facing that kind of challenge? I mean, really, what we're talking about here is keeping your competitive edge, Doctor Vale, and making sure that when a conversation about uh, cancer vaccination or cancer prevention in the animal species comes up, they think of you. How are you shackled by the limitations here? Well, as I said, other than our, our uh, expansion to allow the new radiation facilities here, uh, we haven't had any uh, significant ex expansion since our existence in 1987. I know you, you brought up Colorado State University and University of California, Davis, uh, two of the other um, institutions involved in this clinical trial. Uh, they both have had uh, brand new cancer centers added in the last five years. Uh, plenty of new room and expansion and new hires. And we really, if we don't have the footprint, we can't fill it with the people and the equipment that we need. Right. 
Now, the reason we bring this up is obviously uh, we're in the beginning phases of the building project work here on the UW campus for the School of Veterinary Medicine. Animals Need Heroes 2, that's T-O-O dot com, can tell you more about the plans here. This is not about, you know, just donations. Obviously, those are welcome. But it's also about telling the story with your elected officials, your state and federal legislators, uh, in case we need uh, some financial support or at least understanding from them. Uh, do you talk often with those elected officials, Dr. Vale? Do they really understand what a gem we've got here on the UW-Madison campus? Yeah, our, our uh, dean, uh, Mark Markell, has, and our administration has had uh, uh, discussions with um, our local politicians and our uh, state politicians. Uh, they uh, have come through just recently on tours and have had a look at the facilities and, and I think really do recognize uh, just how cramped we are. And I definitely can attest to how jam-packed all those cutting-edge researchers are, the students, the technology, all still in the same footprint that that building had when it was initially constructed back in 1983. Find out more on how you can engage in the process. Make a phone call, send an email, write a letter on behalf of the School of Veterinary Medicine and their building campaign online. Animals Need Heroes 2, T-O-O dot com. From the southern end of the world's longest barn with Dr. David Vale at the School of Veterinary Medicine, I'm Pam Yonke. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Whether you are going on a short vacation or consider yourself a snowbird, it is important to prep your home before you leave. Madison Area Crime Stoppers and the Madison Police Department Crime Prevention Unit have 10 safety tips for you. Number one, make sure all of your exterior doors and windows are locked and then double check them all. Number two, make sure someone will shovel your sidewalk. Number three, have someone you trust check on your house every day or every other day. Number four, leave a contact number with a neighbor in case of an emergency. Tip number five, stop your mail and newspapers. Number six, make sure you have lights set on automatic timers and install exterior motion lights if you don't have them. Number seven, encourage a neighbor with more than one vehicle to park their vehicle in your driveway or garage. Number eight, don't mention that you're away on social media sites. Not only does it tell thieves you're away, but it's free information for scammers. Tip number nine, make an inventory list with photos of all your valuables. And tip number 10, make sure to sign up for Madison Police Department's vacation watch service. You can visit at madisonpolice.com for more information. Plumbers, come to work with an award-winning plumbing firm in Dane County. Benjamin Plumbing, where you'll work on local projects and earn the top pay and benefits in our area. At Benjamin Plumbing, you'll work out of a spectacular brand-new facility with some of the best and most experienced plumbers in our area. For over 55 years, Benjamin Plumbing has offered better pay and better benefits, including a generous retirement plan. Benjamin Plumbing, family-owned and operated with respect for your family time. You've got a friend in the plumbing business and a great new employer waiting for you at Benjamin Plumbing. Call today. I got a $5,000 signing bonus to join Santa Max. It was a no-brainer. I'm a CDL Class A truck driver for Santa Max. Home every day and no weekends. Santa Max is hiring CDL Class A truck drivers with experience to join the DeForest Third Shift team. Quarterly bonuses and a $5,000 signing bonus. Great pay, great company, and a $5,000 signing bonus. I made the move to Santa Max. It was a no-brainer. Apply online at SantaMax.com. S-A-N-I Max. Apply at SantaMax.com. Crowing at the crack of dawn. 
This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Not a whole lot to crackle about this morning, that's for sure. At least as far as the weather's concerned, it's 520 now on a Tuesday morning. Time to find out what's coming our way. Stu Mock, Ag Meteorologist, joining us for an update. And I was mentioning earlier, Stu, came back from Green Bay uh, yesterday because of that terrible accident that happened on uh, 141 by Nina. Decided I wasn't going to push my luck. But man, still 10 vehicles that were in the ditch waiting for rescue late yesterday afternoon. And man, oh man, the ice that is around a lot of Wisconsin, that's not going away today. Not much of a chance of things to thaw out today, Pam, except of course where it's been salted and things like that, as temperatures will be about like yesterday or just a little above. But that's ahead of the next low pressure system that will travel just a bit to our south. That's why I expect on toward this afternoon an overnight snow is going to develop, and it will be accumulating snow. Oh, I expect around the cross, an inch or two, Madison, maybe one to three, could be a little heavier in central Wisconsin. Mauston toward Oshkosh and Fond du Lac could be up in the two to four inch range. Temperatures aren't going to moderate all that quickly, except we do get a little more mild for Wednesday and Thursday, still cooler than normal, with another chance of a little snow later Thursday or around toward Friday. Friday and early in the weekend. I'll have forecast details right after this. Local commercial knowledge with local experience. That's how Rural Mutual Insurance has been protecting businesses in Wisconsin since 1934. If something unexpected happens to your business, wouldn't you want to be protected by a local company that knows you and your needs? Rural Mutual is the number one writer of farms and the third largest writer of commercial business in the state of Wisconsin. We only do business in Wisconsin, so premiums paid here stay here. To keep Wisconsin strong, contact your local Rural Mutual Insurance expert or visit us at RuralMutual.com to learn how you can protect what matters most. My name is Matt Wagenson. We've been on this farm since 1979. My dad always said spring is a is a sprint to get everything in and fall is just a nice slow marathon. You know, you got what you got. There's no worries. You just get it off. But doing that together with family and friends, people that help you, there's just, there's nothing better. It's, you, you get goosebumps. It's a very undescribable feeling. To watch Matthew's story, visit badgerbean.com. Today, with a mostly cloudy sky, expect some snow in the afternoon. Could be an inch or so accumulating, especially in the west and north. On the upper teens, east winds at 5 to 10. Clouds and snow overnight, about 12 above, and east winds at 5 to 10. Tomorrow, some morning snow, then a mostly cloudy day. Mid-20s, the northwest winds at 5 to 10. Mostly cloudy Thursday, a chance of a little light snow again later on. Mid-20s once again, northwest winds at 5. So a new snow accumulation. Accumulation, colder air pan. It's going to still seem pretty wintry as we head toward the end of the week. In fact, those temperatures cooling once again as we head toward the weekend. All righty, buddy. Thanks for the update. Hey, Stu, uh, we should be doing this broadcast from Commodity Classic. That starts today officially down in Orlando, Florida. It's considered the largest farmer-led, farmer-focused agricultural and educational experience. Orlando, Florida. Farmers are not foolish people. They they know where to pick for uh, winter meeting locations, don't they? All right, Stu, we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Uh, like I said, coming up after 5.30, we'll take a quick look at some of the preview on Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida, some of the special guests that they are expecting. We're also focused in on the news that President Donald Trump has decided to hold off on the uh, implementation of more tariffs against China beyond the March 1st deadline originally imposed. That's going to be in 
influencing our markets. And then up before six, if you got financial credit, literally money in your pocket for the tillage practices that you've had in place, the rotation of crops that you keep in mind, for basically the way you treat the land, if those carbon credits that you are storing would be able to bring you money, would it mean profitability? I talk about that with Tom Driscoll. He's the director of the National Farmers Union Foundation and Conservation Policy. They are following up on carbon credit markets that were established years ago, but they've kind of faded as far as opportunity. Is there possibility for those markets in the future? Tom Driscoll, after 530. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Are you tired of having smoker's lines even though you may not smoke? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Lip lines, often called smoker's lines, are frustrating and stubborn signs of getting older. They're often created from years of muscle movements around the mouth along with fat and volume loss. Non-surgical treatments such as Botox can relax the muscles that cause pursing wrinkles. Dermal fillers like Restylane or Juvederm can fill in fine wrinkles and restore a downturned mouth. All of these treatments are available at Rejuvenation Clinic and can be done simply and naturally with very little downtime. Don't be afraid to get your smile back. To learn more, visit the experienced medical professionals at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie for natural, long-lasting confidence and beauty. Let your natural beauty shine through. Find us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Bent spoons, jewelry, Legos. Over the years, your friends at Benjamin Plumbing have found all sorts of items that can obstruct a garbage disposal. Hey, it's an everyday common occurrence. When your pulverizing garbage disposal comes to a grinding halt, Benjamin Plumbing will dispatch one of their capable service techs to check things out. It could be an interesting discovery, or it could be your old garbage disposal has simply seen its last day. And not to worry, the majority of Benjamin Plumbing's residential repairs are more affordable than you might think. Plus, they stand by their work with a warranty on all parts, labor, and repairs. Grumpy Garbage Disposal? Contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something that you can customize yourself, maybe a gorgeous pendant necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location, a couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique, funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, stuff you won't find anywhere else, and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone? 
Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street. Goodman's Jewelers. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. When their employees live where you live, that's Wisconsin Strong. When they support the local community by giving back, that's Wisconsin Strong. When your insurance premiums stay here, that's keeping Wisconsin Strong. Rural Mutual has been voted one of the top 50 insurance companies in the nation for auto, home, business, and farm insurance for the 10th year in a row. Their local agents and local employees make us Wisconsin Strong. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more. Darren College, a former NFL Super Bowl champion, signed the most important contract of his life to serve in the Army National Guard. The National Guard for me was a perfect fit. I've had a lot of military in my family. It's a big part of what uh, my family's done for a long time. I'm, I want to go out there and make a difference. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I didn't find that in the normal day-to-day life. I didn't find that working behind a desk. I realized being hands-on and being a soldier was something that would keep me active, keep me outside, keep me in the, that team environment that I craved and that I needed so much. And then the opportunity to serve my community and serve my country was just like, on the cake. I wanted to be in Boise, Idaho. I wanted to be home. The National Guard gave me the opportunity to stay right where I was, to serve my country and my community, and it was the best of both worlds. I grew up flying bush planes in Alaska with my dad. I was fortunate enough to get my pilot's license. I wanted to be in helicopters. I wanted to be a crew chief. The Army National Guard gave me a chance to fly helicopters now instead of fixed-wing aircraft. To learn how to be part of the Army National Guard, log on to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Aired by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association and this station. Before I get into uh, the weekend of Badger sports, uh, you were with us on Saturday. Again, congrats, uh, Thank state you. medalist. Uh, well, that was the first time in how many years? 13 years? Uh, since 1999, we had wow, uh, somebody on the podium. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, and then, yeah, the highest since uh, Kevin Call. State champ. I was uh, there for that in 87. One. Yeah, in 99, uh, we had Rick Mall take fifth. Uh, yeah, now we have uh, third place, Caden Reitz. Well, Some on the podium wearing still, that jacket too. Yeah, wore the wore the Dave Miller jacket for the weekend. Yeah. So I mean, I uh, when when your only losses on the year are to the two guys who were going for uh, first place in the state, you take third. I'd say that's a that's a pretty good season. Yeah, I would uh, agree with that. And uh, what was your take on uh, on the finals? Oh, I you know it, the the finals every year amaze me just as uh, at what you watch. Uh, we had a. a Four timer uh get crowned. Um one who ended up losing. Uh so it there, I mean, you now have seventeen in the history of the state. Uh add another one to the three timers. Uh yeah, overall it like I just love watching the competition. You don't really get too involved in one match or another unless, you know, you have a certain scenario taking place. But uh, you kind of have your eyes go back and forth between the three mats. And uh, if you're watching one kind of intently and you hear part of the the arena just erupt, you you start scrambling to see where they're looking. Uh, but, uh, yeah, overall, uh, I, I mean, I always enjoy it. But, you know, uh, once again, uh, 
I just love the atmosphere at the state tournament, especially uh, the state finals when you have the March of the Champions and then you roll right into to your 106 matches. And, yeah, the whole night's just a great night. I agree. And the uh, final thought on that, uh, the best news, RJ, we're not done yet because Team State, which is another incredible atmosphere mm-hmm. they take over the field house, that'll be this Friday and Saturday, and we'll be back at the Red Zone Saturday at noon to 2 pumping up the crowd for that. So can can we count on RJ to, to come down for us for Team State? I should Saturday. be able to make it. Yes. My man. Yeah. Right. My man. Uh, well, when you were with us at the Red Zone last Saturday, we were talking about the, uh, you know, the Badger game and how much stock we should put in the game against Northwestern because I felt like it was kind of like trap game upset alert. You know, Northwestern, not the team of last year where they, you know, one of the great, you know, streaks of sports snap. They got their first time ever in the NCAA tournament. And, like, they won a game. They were a legit good team last year, Northwestern. I mean, they were a, a top 25 team all season long. This year, not anywhere as close to as good. Now, they're not terrible. They'll probably be an NIT team and above 500. But, you know, it was still a game going in where you say, yeah, you should win that game other than it's a road game in the Big Ten. It is still a, a decent team. Uh, you know, how how nervous were you going into that game on Saturday night? Going into it, I wasn't at all. Uh, <laughs> but I guess, I mean, Vegas called it. It was a push, right? Yep. It ended at five. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, I. I've noticed this thing about the games Wisconsin is playing now. You're playing against lesser opponents, and the quality of ref Wisconsin is getting in mm. these games. Mm-mm-mm. And it's not like all the calls are going against Wisconsin. It's it's going both ways. You're just looking at stuff, and you're like, how on earth is that a foul? I mean, you had a, you had a play where a ball was clearly off the foot of a Northwestern guy, and he gave the possession to Northwestern, and they had to go to the video monitor to determine who it was out on. Wisconsin's, I forget who was covering him, but the guy's foot is a foot and a half away from yeah. the ball. There was, like, I, at least they did the due diligence went to the monitor right, to check and, it out. And I like it how uh, the, even, the, even the announcers had no clue what was going on. They're like, uh, well, I, I guess we're going to see if that was a flagrant for uh, contact. I'm like... There was no contact. Use no. your brain. They're checking to see who it was out on. But, um, yeah, I th- once again, uh, refing both ways uh, got got into this game here. I mean, Nate Reavers was called for, f- like, two fouls oh, at least. There were so many egregious where ones. Where like, I'm just like, are you kidding like, me? What are you looking at? Like, how do you even call something there? Like, that block And then I'll see had? Brad Davison, like, you know, take the ball, drive the lane, get absolutely mugged. Right. And there's not a single... Whistle or anything. Yeah, and there's instances that, you know, went the other way too, where Northwestern, you're you're looking at something, I'm like, no, not a foul. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, you're bailing out Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. All righty, 535 now on a Tuesday morning. Did you know on this date back in 1991, the world got a chance to look at the first web browser? World Wide Web. It was developed by a British computer scientist named Tim Beamers Lee. Later, that World Wide Web, WWW, got to be named Nexus. But Tim Beamers Lee, that British computer scientist, credited with being the inventor of the Internet, not Al Gore. On this date back in 1993, that's the date that a car bomb exploded below the World Trade Center in New York City. It killed six people. I'm Pam Yankee. 
Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday. We've got kind of a Farmers Union theme going this morning. Up before 6 o'clock, we're talking with Tom Driscoll, who is the National Farmers Union Director of their Foundation and Conservation Policy. He and I are going to catch up on carbon credits. Remember that one? Trying to financially reward farmers for their conservation practices and all the carbon that they've stored in their soils. Is that market even still around? We'll see what Tom Driscoll has to say about that in just a little bit. Well, Wisconsin Farmers Union members are headed to the National Farmers Union 117th Anniversary Convention. They are going west this year, March 3rd through the 5th. They'll be in Bellevue, Washington. Patty Edelberg is one of the Wisconsin members that will be there. She's currently the National Farmers Union Vice President. She said they make it a habit of trying to move the national meeting from region to region, not only to grow membership, but also open the eyes of farmers from different regions to the challenges that other Farmers Union members are facing. She says they aren't just working on policy. Some of the topics they'll be talking about this year include tax code changes and extreme weather changes that agriculture everywhere has been facing. So our biggest thing is trying to to educate some of our farmers to, to give them best practices to use, uh, educating not just farmers, but also um, administrations to realize that the, the impact that the, that the climate change is having on our farmers. Patty Edelberg, one of our Wisconsin Farmers Union members that's going to be making the flight to Belleville, Washington, for the 117th National Farmers Union Anniversary Convention coming up March 3rd through the 5th. Like I said, Bryce Norris down in Orlando, Florida with the Commodity Classic folks. That's corn growers, soybean growers, wheat producers, and sorghum growers all under one roof. They have a lot to talk about this week. President Trump announced yesterday he's going to hold off on imposing any more tariffs against China. Remember, that was supposed to start ratcheting up March 1st. How did the markets react? We'll get the numbers next. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Reclaim water from cow manure? Wisconsin-based Aqua Innovation's proprietary nutrient concentration system delivers pathogen-free organic fertilizer, fewer trucks on the road, and a balance between growth and the environment. Aqua Innovations, here for good. And by Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net, Facebook, and Twitter. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual is excited to announce the Rural Mutual Farm Dividend Program. The first of its kind in the state. They know how hard you work, so they want to reward you. Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program rewards farmers for their loyalty and dedication with up to a 5% dividend. And since Rural Mutual only does business in Wisconsin, premiums paid here stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. To learn more about Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program and how you may qualify, please contact a rural agent or visit RuralMutual.com. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. 
And as a cooperative, our member owners understand this firsthand through benefits like our patronage program, which gives profits back to member owners. Learn more at Compeer.com. Trademarks of Compeer Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. So soybeans really traded the news yesterday. Over the weekend, we found out China is going to purchase an additional 10 million metric ton of U.S. soybeans. That was the news that drove the trade yesterday. But we're also paying attention. President said on Monday he would participate in a signing summit with Chinese leader Xi as they continue to try to work on trade deals so they can avoid that March 1st deadline of ratcheting up more tariffs. The president making it pretty clear that he is going to delay an increase in tariffs on Chinese goods that was supposed to take effect on uh, this uh, Saturday. So hopefully that is a sign of light for the markets. Like I said, they traded on that news yesterday, but it only benefited soybeans. March corn dropped four and three quarter cents. December corn down three and a quarter on Monday to three ninety eight and a half. March beans were up a penny and a half. November beans, though, after all of that noise, up only a penny at nine fifty five and a half. March wheat dropped twenty cents yesterday. July new crop down seventeen and a quarter at four seventy seven and three quarters. Now, as far as dairy was concerned, we had a good day in dairy yesterday. Barrel cheese on Monday gained a half a cent to one forty one forty pound block cheese up a. Quarter Quarter of a cent, one fifty nine and three quarters. Double A butter on Monday gained three quarters of a cent to two twenty six and three quarters per pound. Fluid milk in Chicago March was up twenty cents at fifteen ten. April up thirteen at fourteen ninety three. Now you only have to get out to July before we see sixteen dollar money on those fluid milk contracts in Chicago. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. It's kind of intimidating when your dad is one of the most famous jewelers in America. And you're supposed to follow in his footsteps. Yeah, and those are some big footsteps. How old were you when you came to work at Kessler's? I started handing out balloons to customers when I was six. Wow. Dad was on the radio 52 weeks a year for more than 25 years. I'm talking to Monica Kessler of Kessler's Diamonds. He gave me and the other owners a gigantic opportunity. The other owners? Kessler's is 100% employee-owned. I'm just one of several dozen owners. So when I walk into Kessler's, I'm greeted by an owner? Every time. So what's your earliest memory of a Kessler's radio ad? In the beginning, Dad would end every ad by saying, I'm Richard Kessler, and I want to be your jeweler. What's he doing now? Playing golf, mostly. Is there anything you'd like to say before we go? I'm Monica Kessler, and I want to be your jeweler along with a few dozen other wonderful people hand-selected by my father. Welcome to Kessler's. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. We hear you. You need a new bathroom. Ganser Company is proud to introduce 80 Years in 80 Minutes. Simply put, you need real information and pricing so you can make a good decision and spend your precious time with your family and friends, not contractors failing to call you back, taking weeks to get you an estimate, or the high-pressure sales pitch you dread. Our 80 years of hindsight for 80 minutes of your time. We give you the skinny in 80 minutes to make an educated decision. Bath Planet acrylic tubs and showers are the only bath systems that have the good housekeeping seal of approval. What that means is no more scrubbing grout lines, unsightly stains, leaky faucets, or using harsh chemicals. No more hiding your outdated and maybe embarrassing bathroom. So call today, 608-222-1243, or stop into our showroom and see the Bath Planet experience. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. It's that simple. Dancer, that's the answer. 
she knows a hay bale makes a perfectly comfortable seat. It's time for the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Young. You bet, and I've sat on them often. Well, as we roll towards 6 o'clock in this Tuesday morning, like I said, our man Bryce Nora, Commodity Specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, he's going to be down in Orlando, Florida this week. He is part of the Commodity Classic crew. That's the corn growers, the soybean producers, the wheat producers, all coming together in one spot. Uh, and they'll be talking about policy, no doubt. What would you think if you could be paid for the carbon that you are storing in the soil of your farm? You know, everybody's so concerned about where carbon is ending up. Well, it could end up in the marketplace. About 10 years ago, there was a lot of talk about developing a carbon market where farmers literally could uh, get financial credit for the good practices that they're performing on their farms today. Where's that market now? Is it still in existence? Talked about that with Tom Driscoll. Tom Driscoll is a North Dakota native who is currently the director of National Farmers Union Foundation and Conservation Policy. Carbon credits are just one of the items that he was talking about during the winter meeting in Appleton with Wisconsin Farmers Union members. But he says conservation practices definitely need to bring financial reward to the farms that are implementing them. There are ways to improve farm income um, by offering climate services on the farm, either, uh, you know, input reduction costs by uh, different tillage regimes, things of that nature, as well as ironing out, figuring it out, really getting to where we are actually paying farmers to store carbon in the ground. This is the only sector of the economy that can pull existing emissions out of the air rather than just cut emissions moving forward and uh, when we get around to to forming the policies and markets that encourage that sort of activity um, it should be very profitable for farmers when you bring these conversation points up do people on the other side of the table engage or roll their eyes at this stage uh, the conversation is, is different in different places. In Washington, D.C., there's just a lot of fires to put out, and no one wants to deal with this conversation now. It's always encouraging to get out into the countryside, visit with farmers, visit with people in, in rural communities that aren't being served by the current economic schemata, and see how much, uh, how much energy there is around it and how much folks are thinking about it and ready to go. Do you see any areas, any particular vein of uh, practice or market that's trying to get this going on a smaller scale perhaps that we could use as an example for the future the uh the local food movement's very instructive um it's it's pretty clear to me that consumers are increasingly interested in uh not so much necessarily local but local as a, a smaller included category of um food with a story food that they understand and food that uh you know, kind of matches the values that the consumer wants to embody. So it's uh, it, it's not just local, but I find the local experience to be instructive. And I think we do need to rebuild some of the infrastructure that allows us to, say, utilize more diverse grains in our livestock feed um, or uh, get access to market for folks who want to uh, grow livestock on, on different scales. Um, and I, I think that, uh, you know, those lessons that we're learning in rebuilding some local and regional food systems can also be implemented uh, to get some of this change to, to scale in the time frame we need to make a difference. What do you think the time frame is? 
I, I think we're already living it. I think that uh, in a lot of ways it's it's too late and we've made our bed, but there's also um, you know a lot of super negative consequences that can be avoided or mitigated moving forward if we get our acts together now. How well received is this message on the international scene? Because with due respect to the big topic of climate change, we are but one player. Um, how well received is this message, Tom, on the international scene? So actually a lot of farmers unions' interest in this is being uh, informed by the work of the World Farm Organization. So farmers around the world uh, are pretty united in their stake on this cause. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of uh, countries where uh, farming is is much more uh, the sustenance scale than um, international commodity scale, and those folks are, frankly, you know, concerned for their lives in a very real way, their their ability to uh, feed their their families. Um, but it's time for American farmers to take the leadership position they frequently take on the international scene and uh, apply it to the, the issue of farming and climate change. You mentioned how the local movement is helping to inspire some of this. Give me some other examples, Tom, because people may not realize some relatively simple changes can help forward this. So there are there's a lot of opportunities to, for uh, producers to get involved. You know, call the university if if you've got some land that could be used in research. It's time to converse with with folks through extension and and at the land grants in order to get this stuff happening. Um, there's a an initiative that I work pretty closely with in D.C. called Field to Market, and that helps farmers collaborate with the end food retailer to. Uh, tell consumers the the story of enhancing sustainability measures on the farm. Um, you know, always uh, visit your local NRCS field office early and often. Things of that nature. Yep. And that field to market concept is not going away. More and more of the mega retailers want that story. It's not. It's not going to be your choice. It's going to be their mandate, isn't it? I hope that that's not the case. That's why we're having conversations like we had today, so that farmers get organized, understand how this is all going to play out, and come to the table. Um, for one thing, farmers deserve just compensation for the good work that they do. And, uh, you know, up the value chain, they're, they're not going to just hand that to us for no reason. Um, the other factor, as a, a consumer and as a, a non-farmer myself concerned about my family moving forward and things of that nature, we are not going to get the best climate change results. Just pure and simple, we'll not get the best results if the terms of this are mandated from the Chicago Commodities Exchange or from Washington, D.C. We are only going to get the best deal possible from climate change when we invite, engage the American farmers' innovation and ingenuity addressing this problem. So farmers have to be in a key leadership role on this matter, or we're going to miss a lot of opportunity to get um, the, the best result possible moving forward. Are we getting invited to those meetings? Because your point's well taken. These conversations are happening all around us, the food processor side, transportation side. Are farmers even being invited? I've been uh, somewhat chagrined to attend a number of sustainable agriculture conferences, get-togethers, 
And uh, there may be one or two token farmers in there with all the agribusiness folks, all the trade association folks with myself. Uh, frequently, they're not at all. You know, hashtag no farmer at the farm panel. It's, that's, that's real. Um, so we need to have more conversations like we had today, get people thinking, talking to each other about how we're going to crash the table. You know, I think our attitudes are so poor right now because of the economic situation. We're just trying to get by. Thinking long-term on something as big as climate change can be a little bit challenging. Certainly. Um, and uh, groups like Farmers Union are uh, taking measures to try to make it easier for folks to uh, think about what it means for, for their farm, for their markets. Um, as bad as prices are right now and as hard it is as it is to get by, I still want to encourage people um, – you know, if, if business as usual isn't working for you, maybe maybe this is a good time to be thinking about this stuff um, out of desperation, if not inspiration. Um, and it is it is the better, more profitable play in the long run whenever you're able to uh, think in those terms. Aside from engaging in farmers' union conversations and uh, networking with others, what else can I do today, Tom? To jumpstart this, is there a tool out there? Is there a market I'm missing? Is there an article I should be reading to help me get this jumpstarted on my operation? As a producer? Okay. Uh, there are a number of assessment tools that are uh, somewhat in nascent phases right now, mm -hmm. but there's a lot you can do to access them. Go to your local NRCS office and ask for the res Resource Stewardship Evaluation Tool. What that device does is it gives you a, a snapshot of the uh, conservation performance of your ground, gives you some highlights on uh, what's going well, what could be improved, and uh, allows you to toy out what you would do with soil health or water, water quality on your ground if you made some changes here and there. Mm -hmm. Very similar uh, product being uh, that Land O'Lakes is starting to offer through their retailers. If you work with a Land O'Lakes retailer, ask for the Truterra Insights Engine. And uh, these are user-friendly, farmer-focused software applications that can uh, help you get started, help you think about what, uh, what could be accomplished on your ground. Tom Driscoll, he is the director of the National Farmers Union Foundation and Conservation Policy. And like he said, you're curious about how you can get some of the credit for all those conservation practices and what tools are out there for climate-related tools you can implement on your farm. They've got it up on their website nfu.org. Tom Driscoll from the National Farmers Union. He'll be along with some of our Wisconsin folks out in Washington State beginning on March 7th as they unfold their 117th National Convention in Washington State. Tomorrow, we are going to talk about this weather. I know you're sick and tired of talking about it. I agree. But we're going to focus in on what I hope might be a positive. Did we get a severe enough winter so far that we knock back some of our insect population. I've been talking with a lot of folks about that. What about mosquitoes? What about emerald ash borer? What about those bugs? 